Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. Let's begin with Joe Biden and his obvious obsession with Ukraine. Just as I was thinking a little bit about crediting Biden with the guts, at least, to make a presidential visit to Kiev, it turns out the U.S. government reportedly warned Russia there would be a tough response if there was any attack while Biden was in Kiev. If so, all Biden really did was threaten World War III if the Russians ignored the U.S. threat while he was in Ukraine. This is really crazy stuff when you think about it. Biden in Ukraine also promising President Zelensky another half billion dollars to add to the more than a hundred billion dollars already spent on Ukraine. You might think that the big guy was working on a 10% commission. Biden went to Ukraine, all right, but he never went to East Palestine, Ohio where residents are fearing for their health, their families, and community after that Norfolk Southern derailment. Water, air, and soil contaminated by hazardous chemicals contained in at least five tank cars on that train. The railroad blew them up, saying it was the safest thing to do. What government agency approved that one? Do railroads regulate themselves? How do they decide what a community should do? And Biden's FEMA refused to help out, help out in any way, saying that houses weren't destroyed so they could do nothing. Sounds like a Kamala Harris plan, don't you think? Remember when Harris called for prioritizing federal disaster responses based on race? Well, President Trump announced he'll be there in Palestine tomorrow. And as soon as he did, FEMA suddenly decided they just might be able to help out the good people of Palestine after all, no matter what their race. Those residents complaining now of rashes, headaches, nausea, sore throats, and trouble breathing. Potential effects include risk of cancer in liver, lungs, brain, and blood. And the Biden CDC, well, they're not there yet. It's been over two weeks. They won't be there until later this week. Transportation moron Pete Buttigieg hasn't gone to Palestine at all. Could it be that he doesn't want to breathe their air and drink their water? And good old Joe's in Ukraine, not Palestine. He might start to think about sending some big checks to the folks who have to fix Palestine and take care of the victims. Meanwhile, the Biden regime is threatening China now, telling them not to send lethal aid to Russia, warning them. Well, that while the United States and Europe are planning on sending more advanced weapons, tanks, artillery, missiles, and fighter jets to Ukraine. Does that sound rational to you? Go figure. And another balloon has shown up over U.S. airspace, over Hawaii. Naturally, no one knows what it is. They don't know whose it is, or as usual, what to do about it. Stay tuned, as they say. These balloons are making fools of the U.S. military and civilian leadership. Let them fly, shoot them down, or just watch them on three-year-old radar tracking recordings. These balloons are paralyzing the U.S. air defenses and the Pentagon. And our guest here today on The Great America Show is Judicial Watch's Director of Research and Investigations, Chris Farrell. Chris, thanks for being with us, and great to have you back. I want to get your read on those balloons and the flummox Biden regime as they first froze, then they tried momentarily to do something which they don't frequently practice, which is telling the truth. Our impaired president and the military establishment just simply conducted themselves badly and look even worse. Well, it's a disgrace, number one. Uh, number two, Mark Milley, of course, our illustrious chairman of the Joint Chiefs, 
appears to have been doing the bidding of his Chinese masters. Once again, the man who should be court-martialed. And then the notion that we're going to let a balloon traverse our airspace in total defiance of our sovereignty uh, and continue to do its collection mission, then transmit all the data back to China and then erase itself and then have the Air Force shoot it down is just insanity. And, the you know, on the heels of Afghanistan, on the heels of a wide open border, you know, what, how else is the Biden administration going to neglect or endanger the American public? Uh, you know, I guess maybe, you know, maybe if we flew Ukrainian flags over the country, we, we would defend our airspace. But uh, if there's an American flag over it, then we, we don't have to worry about it. It was stunning to watch the the way in which the the government just didn't respond. Uh, started on the 28th, apparently, according to the government, uh, the 28th, the Aleutian Islands, uh, and then moving through the southern uh, Alaska, uh, into Canada, into the United States, northern Idaho, and then Montana, cited by numerous citizens with iPhones and whatever other camera they had. Uh, it, it's just, They would never have said a word, would they? They being this federal Never. government, if the if we hadn't seen it with our own eyes. And my recollection is that there were reports from uh, commercial airline passengers who looked out of their plane window and seen something floating along. And again, you know, it becomes sort of a hazard in navigation. Normally, the uh, the FAA puts out these NOTAMs or these notices to airmen and mariners about dangerous conditions. And here's this object floating along, and they'd rather keep it under wraps. But um, the notion that it posed no threat to the American people, which is what the Pentagon spokesman kept saying over and over again, is a lie. It's just a lie. And a huge lie. Uh, but there, this, this, this government of ours is out of control. And when I say out of control, it's, a, it's a, not just a figure of speech. It is out of the control of the civilian leadership. When... The military is not notifying the commander-in-chief, the National Security Council, what's going on with an intrusion, a provocation like this. Uh, this is stunning stuff. Uh, and then we learn, uh, to the degree that we can rely on it, that there were three incursions. That was the first blush defense by some, some fool in the Defense Department to say, well, it happened to Trump, too. Well, in saying that, they had to reveal that they notified none of the civilian leadership of those incursions. This is all, you know, an attempt at uh, sort of a CYA maneuver uh, that actually blows up in their face. It's as idiotic as uh, Hunter Biden uh, acknowledging that the laptops actually are his because he wants to threaten people to shut up talking about his laptops. It's the same mentality, the same faulty logic where they admit that they've made even more errors than they, than they started out talking about. In this case, it looks like we have right now, I know the term is used somewhat loosely, and I don't mean to be in that uh, grouping. I truly believe that we are looking at the incipient point of a constitutional crisis in this country. We are seeing our tradition of civilian, and by the way, our constitutional uh, relationship between civilian leadership and the military breached and breached through two administrations by the United States uh, military, its general uh, officers. I, I think that this couldn't be bigger, frankly. It, it, it is. I mean, it seems like one sort of incident or one event or one uh, you know, unfortunate, like they used, love to use passive voice, mistakes were made, right? But it mm -hmm. isn't. It points to a much larger systemic problem uh, with, and it's everything from leadership failures politically to leadership, leadership failures within the military, a breakdown of the chain of command, uh, and an inability to, to, to identify real clear threats to the public and deal with them in a manner that shows strength and authority and a proper sort of defense of our own sovereignty that we should be doing. Instead, it's just, it's waffling and wobbling and pearl clutching and, you know, dissembling and then 
and then lying about it after the fact or trying to put a smiley face on something that's just horrific. Uh, it, and it sends the worst possible message, not just to the Chinese, but to other bad actors around the world. Yeah, instead of a smiley face, I, I tend to think of this if, uh, if, if in terms of emojis, uh, this would be a Milley face. General Milley, once again, involved uh, in this breach of responsibility to the civilian leadership and being part of, uh, apparently to this point, a, a deliberate plan, uh, if not outright conspiracy on the part of the general staff to not take instances, incidents, and events like this to the beyond the Secretary of Defense. If you actually like the Secretary of Defense, you can talk to him or her, I guess. Uh, but that's optional. But it is not optional to take these kinds of events and incidents to the National Security Council and to the President, God forbid, the President of the United States. And you know, like Milley has has presided over a string of disasters that any other uh, chairman, any other general officer would resign over, right? So first of all, there's the the crazy phone call to the the two crazy phone calls to his Chinese counterpart. The phone call documented with Pelosi is publicizing all those things in two different books a year apart. Then he presided over the disaster in Afghanistan. All of his advice and all of his predictions concerning how uh, Ukraine was going to turn out with the Russians have been either wrong or late or inaccurate. Um, and now this, this Chinese balloon situation. I mean, what, what, what other grave, gross error of judgment or, or, or bad advice or uh, – you know, presiding over a slow-motion disaster like Afghanistan, what else would he have to do to finally be in a position where he would be embarrassed enough to resign or where he would be fired? Well, what has to happen? Do we have to have another sort of Pearl Harbor or 9-11 event? Well, he did. amongst the explanations were, that uh, General Mattis, for example, at the Department of Defense, didn't want to tell Trump about the, those incursions by balloons because he felt he felt this this man whose name is Mad Dog Mattis felt that President Trump was too aggressive. I, I mean, absolutely crazy. I, I mean, this is psych, psychotic behavior on the part of the uppermost uh, officers in the U.S. military, and and Correct. it goes on and on, and it's inexplicable why there has been no reaction on the part of the Republican Party, certainly now, and the Democrat Party for that matter, but that's because we know that they're aligned uh, with this uh, deep state interagency uh, uh, conspiracy uh, against political leadership. It's it's a stunning moment, and I don't know that there's ever been anything approaching this. Uh, I guess the closest thing we have is Seven Days in May, uh, you know, a long ago book and movie uh, talking about the military taking control of the government. Our military has been in de facto control of this government through much, if not most, of the Trump presidency and also now with Joe Biden. If they were concerned about an, an overly aggressive uh, president in Trump, they must surely be just as uh, uh, concerned and frightened by an impaired president like Biden. And it, it begs the question now, what else have you not told the chain of command, the leadership about? Either, you know, these are lies or these are errors of, of omission. So what else are you not being forthcoming and straight about? What's occurred that hasn't been reported? What have you let get away? What have you, you know, turned a blind eye to or, or misreported or underreported? Or it's, it undermines the faith and confidence of the American people. It's deeply corrosive to the whole, you know, structure of the chain of command as laid out in the Constitution and all the other regulations and, and, and statutes under that.
that lay out the responsibilities and authorities of the military command structure. So now, so the starting point is, okay, we know you've been lying or you've been deliberately omitting material facts that affect the nation. Is there, you know, what, what else is there? And, and how do you ever know you've ever gotten to the bottom of it? That's the really corrosive part of this. It's corrosive. It's corrupt. Uh, we've known that there was p- considerable political corruption, uh, horrible amounts, pervasive amounts of corruption uh, in the intelligence community. To see that it is also extant uh, in the uppermost regions of the U.S. military uh, is deeply, deeply concerning. Uh, the fact that the military was comfortable making national security decisions in, without without command authority from the from the president of the United States it is just it is just breathtaking there's no other way to express it it is just stunning stuff and and i and i don't see anybody as you've mentioned either a calling it out or b trying to come up with a solution i mean we can sit here and and yell about it and we should but then Somebody, whether it's the House or Senate Armed Services Committee, whether it's it, there has to be some accounting for it. You just can't say, "Boy, that's really that's bad and crazy." Okay, that's true. All right, so what's the solution? And I, again, another leadership failure on the part of the Republicans. There's nobody really stepping up and saying, "Look, this is out of control, and this is how we have to fix it." It's, it's just left hanging out there, and that's what's infuriating as well. I want to hear from President Trump who is the is the the leader of the Republican Party. I want to hear from Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, uh, holding the go. third most powerful position in government. He has to stand up here and demand answers for the American people because the vice president isn't doing it and she would be incoherent if she attempted it. Uh, and the president isn't doing it because he is just fine with maintaining his vacation time uh, at his uh, Wilmington, uh, Delaware residence or in uh, Re- Re- in uh, Delaware. Uh, right. It's it just I, I have to say they have to speak up and to hear these congressmen and senators go on Sunday's uh, shows with their little briefings that they've had from the Defense Department about, yes, this happened uh, in the Trump administration, but no dates, no uh, certain definition of what occurred. Uh, And we do know that the president was, they left that out, didn't they, Chris? They left out that part when they were trying to do what you called CYA. They left out the part that, you know, the president of the United States, the National Security uh, Council, and the director of national intelligence were all not informed at at once even. It's just, again, I go back to it. I can't believe something like this could have happened repeatedly over the course of years in the United States of America. The de facto, the de facto coup occurred. Uh, we talked about the plot to overthrow the president. Well, he was overthrown as far as the U.S. military uh, was concerned. The coup was successful. You are correct. It, it, it's and it, it's a uh, you just refer to it as a soft coup, <laughs> in the sense that you know the, the tanks weren't rolling through the streets and generals didn't seize the levers of government overtly, but but the result is the same. The net result is the same. I can't imagine a solution that doesn't involve firing the entire general staff of the United States military. And I mean every damn branch. This is ignorance beyond belief. Uh, and we need to get to the bottom of uh, of what had happened, who was involved and who knew about it and said nothing, who didn't resign their posts rather than be a part of this. Uh, this is outrageous. And I don't want to hear any excuses from anyone about their conduct and their decision making or how these were tough choices because it's all bull crap. This is laid out in the Constitution, and these officers have taken a high oath to that Constitution, 
and they have broken that oath in every instance in which they did not follow the Constitution in reporting up the chain of command to their civilian leadership. Uh, what do you think will happen? Well, uh, I'm with you with regard to uh, Republican leadership needs to uh, not just kind of wave their arms and yell, but actually come up with a strategy to correct the problem. And so, uh, like you, I'd like to see President Trump come out with uh, some sort of a framework or strategy as to how he would, how he would fix it. Uh, you want to talk about a president who's been screwed by general officers, uh, whether it was Mattis or Kelly or all the other folks who he thought he could believe in. Uh, remember that, you know, uh, it's President Trump, unfortunately, that, that chose Milley to be uh, the chairman of the JCS. Again, a guy he thought he could believe in. Uh, this is an instance where President, President Trump's unfortunate personnel choices really comes back to haunt us. And then I want to see what, uh, what McCarthy's going to do. He needs to get uh, Milley under oath in front of congressional committees and they need to drill down on this guy. He's got a, a, a horrific uh, track record that I detailed a few moments ago. Uh, there's got to be, you know, somebody has to ask him, hey, uh, General Milley, at what point do you resign? What's it going to take? You know, when, do you, when will you be shamed enough publicly? Um, for those of that, they've got to play hardball. Enough, you know, incessant talking about it. They've got to do something. Yeah, uh, without question. Well, I've got a couple of recommendations, and, uh, you know, uh, please contribute yours. But the first thing I would do if I were the Speaker of the House is call for the immediate resignation of General Milley uh, and everyone associated with that uh, that decision tree that left out the Commander-in-Chief of the United States military. Uh, and I would mean now. Uh, I would march. I would have them marched out of there. If they didn't understand that this was the their uh, their end to their career, uh, I would make it clear to them. Uh, and I would organize a select committee right now, a bipartisan, by the way, select committee, uh, and uh, to investigate the the this uh, coup uh, that is that has been in place uh, for years now. This cannot stand, and everyone associated has to be not simply resigned, but I mean fired. And without benefits, I mean, I don't want to hear that a single taxpayer dollar goes into their pockets, any one of them. Well, you know, and then Billy Mitchell was court-martialed in the 1920s for a fraction of what uh, these guys uh, were done. And, of course, Billy Mitchell ended up being vindicated by history and ended up naming a bomber after him. But Billy Mitchell simply criticized uh, the way in which the government was funding and supporting uh, military aviation. He talked outside of you know the four corners of what his, uh, of what his responsibility was, and uh, they, they convicted him, and he resigned his commission and uh, died about three years later. But uh, you know, it, it turns out Billy Mitchell was actually correct in his criticism. You look at what Milley's done, Billy Mitchell's offenses, you know, are infinitesimally smaller than with the kind of shenanigans that Milley's been up to. Milley needs to be court-martialed. I wrote, a, I wrote an op-ed in the Washington Times back in September detailing it and why he should be court-martialed. But, and that's the way, that's the, that is the technique or the, 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 the device to be used not just to get to the bottom of this, but also to strip these people of their rank and of their retirements. There needs to be a cleaning house like you've talked about, but the mechanism for doing it is our military courts martial. And that is the way to, and look, the Army in particular, each of the services, but each of the services, I'm speaking of the Army, that's my, my experience. The Army has an obligation to police itself. They can't let this kind of stuff just slide. There is no more vivid example of breaking our laws, our Constitution, than this one in which they decided to supersede civilian authority in the Pentagon. It's an outrage. Right. Uh, and, and there has to be accountability, and it has to start now. And I mean by now, now would not be too soon to begin to set up that select committee and demand the uh, the resignations of all of those people who are involved. Give them an opportunity to voluntarily step aside 
But my God, that investigation had better sweep through the Pentagon uh, and also uh, any other uh, part of the so-called deep state uh, where there has been complicity uh, with knowledge here. Uh, I want to turn to uh, as well. Uh, I have to. I have to do this. I have to ask you about how your your efforts to learn what fifty years, just about fifty years of uh, Joe Biden's public career, uh, which is hidden away at the University of Delaware, you and uh, Judicial Watch trying to learn more. Uh, tell us what you've run into uh, and what the prospects are. So uh, we discovered, it was widely reported, that uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Joe Biden was hiding all of his records and documents for his time as a senator at the University of Delaware. And that was a secret deal that was forged between uh, Biden and the University of Delaware, basically to keep everything locked up essentially forever until such time as uh, you know, Biden decided that he wanted his his files sort of curated and then released you know, in order to make him look like he's a, a genius and a hero. Good luck with that. So we sued uh, in Delaware court because it's the University of Delaware. So we went to a Delaware state court under the Open Records Act. Delaware has its own open, open records law because we believe that the American public has a right to Biden's records if he's going to put them all together and He's going to archive them at the at a public university. Well, let's see what they are. Well, University of Delaware, you know, fought tooth and nail. No, 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 no. Uh, this effort of ours is uh, is also uh, being done in conjunction in conjunction with Daily Caller News Foundation. Uh, that's who we filed the the request right. for in their their effort to get reporting on this. And. Uh, there's, you know, 1,850 boxes of documents and a ton, an enormous amount of electronic records as well. And uh, the Bidens are fighting like hell to keep them secret. And we're in court pressing to have them released. And so and we've been back and forth in court to do so. How does a vice president take ownership or as a U.S. senator take ownership of all those documents? This is, this is without question, the people's business. This is, if, it, if there is a case to be made for ownership by a senator of his public records, that's madness on, on its face, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But, you know, he absconded with them and has them, has them under lock and key at the University of Delaware. We've been fighting this now for nearly two years. We originally filed our requests for access under the Delaware Open Records Law, the Freedom of Information Act in Delaware. We filed for that back in April of 2020. So now we're, we're sneaking up on, on a two-year anniversary of going back and forth in court over this. The Superior Court in Delaware uh, you know, sided with the university. We've appealed it. And I think that the, the, the latest revelations about how Biden really abused and misused and and uh, broke all the rules about classified information has actually kind of upped the burden or the pressure on the University of Delaware to be forthcoming about what they have tucked away in those 1,800-plus boxes and uh, the the gigabytes, I think it's 415 gigabytes of electronic (laughs) records. Uh, So we we have to get to it. The public needs to know what, what he's hiding in there. And these documents appear to be at least, I, I mean, I could, just off the top of my head, I would suggest, one, uh, you said absconded. I would say he stole these documents. Number two, I'd like to know the court uh, decisions on instances in which a senator has had the temerity to take all of his public documents and claim them as his. Uh, vice presidents don't even have ownership, do they, of their own documents? A president does. I understand that. It but does, I... but the, yep. And there's a there's a Presidential Records Act, uh, you know, governing that entire process. Uh, my, I want to know if Biden stole classified documents and has them squirreled away. We've seen we've seen what he's done as vice president. You know, while he was a senator, he had access to classified information because he was on 
Senate Foreign Relations Committee and other uh, committee sure. assignments where he received classified briefings. And so who knows what he's ripped off and has tucked away and, uh, you know, hiding it at a university archive. And the university is under, is a public institution, has got Correct. to be accountable for this kind of an agreement. This is an effort to obstruct justice, uh, in my opinion, uh, at the very least, when there is an active investigation of this president uh, underway in the House of Representatives. They should have every, yeah, it, every, every damn document the guy ever messed with. And we, look, we, we, we have a long track record going after public institutions that are trying to hide documents. Uh, that, everybody knows our federal work using the Federal Freedom of Information right. Act, but there, there have been other public figures who have tried to tuck stuff away and hide it. I remember Governor Dean up in Vermont, he tried to broker some cute deal where he was going to hide his records for 24 years. And he even bragged, I think, on New England Public Radio about he really didn't want anybody looking at his stuff, which is you know, like waving a red flag for us, right? So we went up there to Vermont and got a hold of the public records. And we had to fight a Vermont court that was very you know, hard over in his, on his uh, behalf, trying to keep his stuff secret. And uh, these, look, all these phony politicians love to run on their record, right? They were, oh, I've got a strong record. I've got a great voting record, and I've done this project and that project, and I've been involved on these committees, and I've done this and that. And so they all want to pretend that they're running on their record, but they also are very quick to hide their record as fast as they possibly can. So Joe Biden was sitting over in the U.S. Senate for, what, 32 years? I mean, it's, it was some enormous amount of time. You can imagine all the different crazy stuff. And he's got a record of, 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 of making, making and doing outrageous things, outrageous statements, outrageous personal conduct. There's a woman who's gone public saying that he sexually assaulted her, that she filed papers and records with his office. We're wondering if that's hidden, tucked away at the, at, the, at the university library or archives. There's a lot of unanswered questions that really need to be exposed. And uh, we're going to keep slugging away on this appeal legally to get, uh, to get to the records themselves. You know, the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Delaware have a lot to explain. Uh, and, the, and I know it's very unpopular with elected officials to go after public institutions like that or the, that are sometimes so al allied with one party or the other, one senator, one congressman or the other. But it's got to be done. We have got to end this uh, defiance of the public's right to know. Your job at uh, Judicial Watch has never been more critical to the nation than right now. Uh, I really believe this is a high water mark uh, for for you and all that Judicial Watch are, is doing uh, to to bring the truth to the surface uh, for the American people, whether it's Joe Biden, whether it is uh, one governor or one uh, part of the the deep state. It all has to happen. Uh, we've really got to end this uh, denial of the public's right to know, because right now, the the national left wing media uh, is no longer an objective source of uh, uh, journalism in this country. Uh, we've got to have judicial watch. We've got to have uh, the best of our public servants engaged, uh, reaching uh, into every dark recess to root out what is runaway uh, political corruption in our public institutions, whether they're universities or whether they're governments. Your thoughts? I agree with you 100 percent. And, you know, the, the media is so complicit at this point. You know, they, they actively cover up and phony up and water down and double talk so much stuff. If you look at Biden's track record, I mean, really give it a hard look. Uh, if you look at the way in which he's handled these classified documents and compare it to the way in which the Trump issue was, was handled with regard to his right rightful uh, keeping of presidential records and how the archives responded. The archives issued seven press releases about the Trump document uh, issue and the raid and what he had and what he didn't have. They haven't issued one document, uh, one, one press release on the, on the Biden situation. And, and that's, so there's, there's an explanation for you. 
Seven, uh, seven press releases about Trump, zero about Biden. And the National Archives have much to answer for, and I suspect will be answering for uh, their conduct. They're, again, just another outpost of, uh, uh, of the deep state. Uh, and they are being used as a uh, as a tool and facilitator uh, for the Marxist Dem Party in this country. I've I've got to ask you now about something that's uh, up on my Wikipedia uh, page, and I, I want to warn everybody: if you go to my Wikipedia page, it is a mess. <laughs> Wikipedia has got a mess there. But among the things there, uh, and again, uh, our producer John Fawcett brought this to my attention. Uh, it comes under the heading, Chris, and I knew you would just love to hear this one, the George Soros conspiracy theories, uh, referring to to uh, my, quote, peddling numerous conspiracy theories about the Jewish-American philanthropist. Think about the number of times you've heard George Soros uh, referred to uh, with the these uh, adjectives, Jewish-American philanthropist, George Soros. Uh, it, it's hilarious. And that I've referred to him as, quote, an evil SOB and, without quotes, insidious. <laughs> Your reaction. <laughs> and I should tell everybody, Chris and I have a history when it comes to George Soros. We do. And, uh, you know, it's an incredibly dishonest representation. I'm, I'm looking at the, at the page now. Uh, it is loaded with false and misleading commentary. And uh, it, it is the subject, really, uh, th this is projection on a grand scale. So uh, George Soros has an organization called the Open Society Foundation. Uh, it is, uh, some would say, notorious, but it is certainly a large and influential operation. A couple of years back, Soros transferred $18 billion, with a B, dollars of his personal wealth into the Open Society Foundation. And the organization itself also receives huge amounts of taxpayer money, U.S. taxpayer money, for its operations. Back in November of 2018, after this uh, explosion uh, of criticism that, uh, that you're making reference to based off your Wikipedia page, uh, yours truly and Judicial Watch published a 30-page report. That 30-page report has 152 footnotes in it. So it is, it is thoroughly, excruciatingly documented. And it talks about Soros and some of the operations that, you know, the Open Society Foundation uh, has engaged in. So they've done things like promoted open borders of Mexico. They've uh, gone in and, and funded anti-capitalist, racialist type organizations like Black Lives Matter. They were active with other organizations involved in the riots in Ferguson, Missouri. They've gone after our electoral system. They love abortion on demand. They think that taxpayers should promote that. Uh, they've opposed counterterrorism efforts by the U.S. government under President Trump. Uh, all kinds of, you know, Leftist, leftist operations that you, you could possibly imagine. And, and this report, this 30-page report that we published in November of 2018, it documents the financial and staffing nexus between Open Society Foundation and the United States government. So when we say that, look, there's an agenda being advanced at the U.S. taxpayer expense, you go into this report, you can see where the money's going. We've documented every bit of it. And you can see the revolving door of personnel staffing people who are with Open Society, then they go into the U.S. government, and they're the undersecretary of state for blah, blah, blah. Then they rotate back out into Open Society. And then the next administration, sure enough, they go back into government. It's a rotating door. Uh, and so, again, excruciating detail. Uh, 28 pages of text with 154 footnotes. We went in and decided we were just going to document the hell out of it so that when people put up crazy Wikipedia posts like they do, uh, we, we could knock it down with facts. Well, and and good luck <laughs> with that. I, years ago, I decided not to even raise a question of inaccuracy 
uh, on my Wikipedia page. It was ridiculous. Wikipedia picked the worst picture they could find of me. They're a left-wing outfit. There's no way you're going to deal rationally with them. There's nothing about them that's going to be fair. Anyone who expects that from Wikipedia is going to be sorely disappointed. Uh, at least I, I can say with uh, absolute assurance, I certainly have been. Uh, I, I love this uh, reference, though. Uh, Fox stated that the guest, Chris Farrell of Judicial Watch, would no longer be booked and that the program episode would be, would be withdrawn from the Fox News archives as if to as if to say that we, indeed, you and me, were in the wrong. Uh, you and I were in the wrong. Uh it was one of those things that sounds like a tacit approval of the of the complaint from the Soros folks. I, which I, by the way, I apologize to you at the time. I will apologize to you throughout my life for that. It was what I think the sorriest moment in Fox's history, and they've had a couple, but that was certainly one of them. Well, you, well, you and I appreciate that, but of course, you had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was well, that's true was, too, uh, but. Cowardly, cowardly uh, administrators and and uh, and corporate executives who uh, who you know completely misread and and made stupid decisions about things that were objectively false and you you had absolutely nothing to do with it although I I always deeply appreciate not just your your kind words about it but your friendship on this no no guilt or blame falls on you. It's the idiots at uh, at the Fox corporate offices. Well, I I will you as you well know. I fought this uh, with everything I had, uh, and uh, like <laughs> a couple, it's happened a couple of times, uh, and I finally lost a, a fight. Uh, but uh, this is uh, outrageous. It it's just unbelievable. Uh, and by the way, uh, I, I think it's I should spell it out for folks. I am absolutely pro-Israel. Uh, there is never, has never been any uh, suggestion otherwise by any of my conduct or anything I've ever said. But yet they had, this was their standard, let's protect Judge Soros. And yes, I do still believe he's an evil son of a gun. Uh, I cleaned that up because my wife is within hearing distance. Uh, it, it is... <laughs> it is uh, and he is. I mean, we we know for a fact this business about uh, a uh, anti-Semitic trope. Now that is one of the worst kinds of uh, nonsense uh, that they could come up with, because in point of fact, Soros had in the administration, the Biden administration, had one person in every transition team uh, for the departments, uh, some seventeen uh, people uh, organized around that, I, and for them to want to argue about the extent of the insinuation of the Soros uh, philosophy, ideology, and programs is is mind-boggling. Uh, it doesn't stand up. Yeah, 100%. And uh, poor Joe de, de Geneva, I, I just, they quote him as saying on my show, George Soros controls a very large part of the career foreign service of the United States State Department. He now controls activities of FBI agents overseas who work for NGOs. That was very evident in Ukraine. Now, that was in 2019, ladies and gentlemen. That was prescient. That wasn't just, uh, you know, that, that was not uh, anything anti-Semitic. He used George Soros's name. He suggested precisely what were the facts, that Soros-supported people were with, throughout uh, the State Department. And by the way, exactly in particular, in Ukraine. That is exactly correct. Joe said nothing wrong or inaccurate. It's uh, the fact that he said it is what makes them crazy, and that's why they try to smear him. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, by the way, there's a pretty pretty well placed uh, uh, Soros acolyte at the State Department right now. His, his name is Tony Blinken. Uh, he uh, <laughs> his, and his parents are very close to the Soros uh, family and organization as well. And by the way, there's a there's a sudden uh, lifting of uh, taboos around George Soros's name. Matt Palumbo, and I mentioned this to him the other day, a, a bright young author. Uh, the book is The Man Behind the Curtain, The Secret uh, Network of George Soros. 
uh, which I recommend highly to everyone. It, it and he said it this way: he, uh, that you know, having done the book, and I said to him, the reality is suddenly we're hearing his name. We there is no longer a taboo. I mean, people were in hushed uh, retreat every time they even thought about mentioning his name in national television. I'm talking about powerful networks, uh, powerful news networks. And something's changing here. And I don't know rightly what it is, but suddenly they, the taboo has been lifted. And uh, I don't know what it is either, but uh, you know, there are people that have insisted on reporting facts regardless of what the, the, uh, the drumbeat from the organized left is. Um, and realize that, you know, the Open Society Foundation, uh, you know, has an awful lot of subsidiaries and affiliates and associates, et cetera, who don't necessarily advertise what their connection is. Uh, but, I mean, there, it is documentable, and we've done it, uh, and you can show the people, the money, the contacts, the organizations. Most people don't know about what something called the East-West Management Institute well, that's a, it's an operation. It's an affiliate of Open Society Foundation. They don't know that the Open Society Foundation engaged in all these projects around the world trying to, you know, influence the outcome of elections. They do. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a, a, an expansive, sophisticated, well-funded operation that has all sorts of contacts, controls, organizations, et cetera, projects around the world. And to say otherwise, I mean, if you, if you said that they didn't, they'd be insulted, right? They'd be upset that they're not being effective and, and, and not being uh, productive with their money and their programs. They are very, and, and, and the U.S. taxpayer is financing it to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars a year. So it's, it's your money. <laughs> your money's going to support it. Yeah. Your your tax dollars and mine, going to uh, the an organization whose interests are not in any way aligned with traditional America. It's just uh, it's just straightforward. Uh, this organization, Open Society, is funding everything that is antithetical uh, to our founding values and to our national interests. Uh, the Soros uh, programs. Uh, I, I want to uh, well, obviously go to judicialwatch.org. Uh, where on judicialwatch.org can folks get those uh, Soros reports? If you, it, the, the name of the document, if you, you can just even put a couple of these words in to search for it, you'll find it immediately. It's called the Financial and Staffing Nexus, N-E-X-U-S, the Financial and Staffing Nexus between the Open Society Foundations and the U.S. government. If you put in Open Society Foundations, you should find it. If you put in Open Society, Financial, any terms like that, it'll right. pop up on the Judicial Watch website real fast. You can even just use what your favorite search engine, whatever you're using, and put in Financial, Staffing, Open Society Foundations, and bang, you'll get it. And uh, it's excruciatingly detailed. Basically, every sentence of the report has a footnote, <laughs> and uh, not not to our reporting or our opinion pieces, but to outside objective, either the either the Open Society Foundation website, where it's their own representations of what they're doing, or to websites like USAspending.gov, where it shows the grants that the government's making to to Open Society, um, or to or to individual persons who have rotated into and out of the government from open society. You can look at their personal web pages or their, uh, the, the organization staffing documents and see who these people are and, and how they've gone into and out of U.S. government and how the money, your taxpayer dollars, have gone to open society programs. So it's, uh, it's very, very detailed. When you read through all of it, I think, uh, even though the document's a few years old, I think anybody looking at it would go, holy cow, they, they would have no idea that so many people and so much money are woven together in this operation. It's, it's remarkable, again, judicialwatch.org, uh, and uh, look for that. Uh, 
I want to ask you before I turn to you for your concluding remarks. Bill Barr now saying he didn't overstep in the Durham probe of the Mueller Russiagate investigation. I, I want a Chris Farrell analysis, if you would, uh, on that. I, 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 it's just uh, it's stunning the reversal that Bill Barr has made in just the last few months. Uh, you know, Barr is another disgrace. Barr is sort of like a uh, he's to the Department of Justice what Milley is to the Department of Defense. This guy's a disgrace, and he's a he's a really both somebody that betrayed the American people, not just President Trump. He betrayed the American people, and he did it in a really cowardly way. And uh, he he was brought in, I think, by the establishment rhino you know, Republican uh, operatives to hopefully sort of, you know, manage or control, in their view, control Trump in some way. And uh, he sat by and watched the president be impeached over Ukraine when they knew that they had the Hunter Biden laptop already in their possession. They knew the real story of what was going on. Uh, He told the president he couldn't do things that he did have the right to do. He stopped the president from uh, appointing his own special counsel to investigate matters of corruption on Biden where, that he could have done. He, he, he really – he's tried to play both ends against the middle, and I think the, he's being exposed for, for what he is. Chris Farrell, thanks for being with us here today. Uh, if you will, your, your concluding remarks. I've enjoyed it uh, tremendously. Thanks, my friend. Lou, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. And uh, look, for folks uh, listening, if you want more background or information on any of the stuff we talked about today, uh, our website at Judicial Watch is Judicial Watch. That's all together, one word, judicialwatch.org, judicialwatch.org. You can see all of our work, the lawsuits, the public uh, information requests, uh, our reporting on different topics. You can read the the Soros report of the Open Society Foundation report that we discussed earlier. Uh, we try to make everything that we do quickly and easily available up online. Uh, and if you want to support us, that would be great too. And uh, Lou, thank you very much for giving us me the opportunity to come on today and, and visit with you and talk about such important uh, public policy matters. Always and anytime, my friend. Thanks so much, Chris, for being with us and to look forward to talking with you soon. And again, thank you for all that you uh, and Tom Fitton and the good folks at Judicial Watch do. Uh, we appreciate uh, everything. Uh, thanks for being with us and God bless you. Thank you, Lou. You too. Chris Farrell, judicialwatch.org. Chris mentioned the report by Judicial Watch on the nexus between open society foundations and the u.s government funding go to ludobs.com and you'll see the link there for that report it'll be under judicial watches report on open society so thanks everybody for joining us here today tomorrow on the great america show our guest is congressman corey mills great american so please be with us for that and much more right here tomorrow till then god bless you and God bless America. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.